Amen. Cool. So Genesis chapter 6, starting in verse 9. So again, we left off uh, last week talking about the, the sons of men coming into the daughters of God. And pretty much we, we, we left the, the world in just, it was, we talked about how corrupted it was, how, how, uh, how just evil it was, how perverted it was, and just all the wickedness that was going on in the world. You know, nothing, you know, nothing shy from what's going on today. You know, I, I believe that, 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 that we're right there too, as, as in the days of Noah, and uh, just in the things, and as in the days of things that, that went on, you know, back then when, when the Lord destroyed the earth the first time. You know, I mean, we're right there. We see a lot of the same things being practiced and, and uh, openly now. And we see that now darkness doesn't hide, hide itself anymore. The devil doesn't hide himself anymore. It's like, man, you see wickedness just out in the open, you know. And it's like those cockroaches when, you know, you, you, at first they only come out at night. And we turn the, the light in the morning. They scatter. Then everyone else, then eventually they get, they, get, they get comfortable. And now you turn the light and they still kind of just hang out right there. They linger. And then, then eventually you're able to just go right up to them and smash them in the, in the daylight. It's like... That, that, and that's how the enemy is, you know, that now he's not even hiding. He's like that cockroach now, he's, man, he doesn't scatter anymore at the light. You know, he's just there. He, and, and everything is exposed, you know, wickedness is, is exposed. And that's what we're seeing now, and that's what, that's the days that, that Noah was living in as well. You know, but on the flip side of that, we see, we see that, that even in the midst of wickedness, it's possible, you know, to still serve the Lord and to still be, be a, a witness for, for the Lord. And we see that that was Noah. That was Noah, that, that Noah found grace. In the eyes of the Lord. So starting in verse 9 of chapter 6. I'll read through verses 9 through 22. And then we'll just kind of expound a little bit. It says, this is the genealogy of Noah. So now we're introduced to Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth. And indeed it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence, with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of, it, of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish, finish it to a... You shall finish it... To a cubit from above, and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it, it with lower, second, and third deck. So it's going to be three floors. So the ark was three floors. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. There shall be male and female of the birds after their kind, of the animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing on the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. And you shall take for yourself of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Then it says, Thus Noah did according to all that, the, that God commanded him. So he did. So we're introduced to Noah now, and now Noah is described as his, as his just man. And we see now the Lord separating him from, from this, from this uh, world of wickedness, you know, setting him apart, and, and, and really saving him from the, from, the, the, from, the destruction, the, from the destruction that's about to come upon the earth. So it starts, it starts off by saying that Noah was a just man. 
So in the midst of a wicked world, one man found grace. This is Noah, the just man. You know, and it doesn't say this is not just for himself. You know, so he didn't just find grace for himself. It says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But we see that his whole family was saved. So he was just, you know, he was righteous. You know, he was saved not just for himself, but, but for his whole family. So he found grace not just for himself, but, but, for, but for his kids, his wife, and even, even his, his, his kids' wives. And it says that he was a just man and perfect in his generations. Now, the just speaks about his relationship with God. I mean, he had, he had a right relationship with God. And the, and the perfect speaks about his reputation with man. So it says that he was a just man. Meaning he had a right relationship with God. He was perfect in his generations. Meaning that he was blameless before men. And be, before his peers. Now this word perfect could be translated as, as blameless. It wasn't that he was perfect and he never sinned. That Noah, you know, and that the Lord saved Noah because he never sinned. And the Lord, you know, spared him because he was a perfect man. That doesn't mean perfect. Noah was a sinner like, like, like you and I. You know, he was born of, you know, of, of sinful flesh as well. You know, he, had, he, had, he was born as a cause of the, the fall of Adam and Eve. He was sinful. But the Bible says that he was a just man because he had a right relationship with the Lord. And he was blameless in his generation. Meaning that nobody could, could say anything about Noah. Meaning, meaning that everybody knew that, that he loved God, that he served the Lord. And so in this we see that it is possible to live a just and blameless life in the midst of a wicked world. We see it was possible for Noah, and he, he was the only just man in the whole world. You know, us were blessed that, you know, like Brother Gabriel was saying, that he ran to the, uh, the bus shop earlier who was a believer and goes to Calvary Chapel, and we're blessed that we know all kinds of believers all around us. You know, and, 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 and it's hard for us to, to I'll, I'll speak, you know, I'll say, I'll say it, it's hard for us to, to walk a just and blameless life. I mean, we're surrounded by so much wickedness. But we see that it is possible to, to walk a blameless Walk before the Lord in the midst of a wicked generation. Noah was the only just man in the whole world. Us were blessed, but we have brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know, Noah was, was the only one, and we saw we see that it is possible you know, to walk a blameless life before the Lord, even in the midst of wickedness, of the, the the most wicked of all wickedness. It is possible. And so the question comes up: What made Noah just before God? I mean, we're reading this about Noah, and this is before the the the. The Levitical priesthood was ever established. This was before the, the sacrificial system was ever established. This was before the, the, the again, the, the sacrificing of lambs and bulls and goats was ever established in order to cover for their sins. So what made Noah a just man? What made him righteous? Hebrews eleven seven tells us that, it says, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, Prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. So we see that Noah's faith justified him before God. It was his faith. So what made him a just man? His faith. Amen. Hebrews tells us that it was his faith. And we see that, that, that Noah had a godly fear. And then verse 8 tells us that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So then the question comes up, well, how were people saved in the Old Testament? You know, right? I mean, have you guys heard that question? I've heard that question. Oh, how were people saved in the Old Testament? You know, what happens to people in the Old Testament before Jesus died on the cross? Did they go to hell? Like, what happens to them? Well, we see that people in the Old Testament were saved just like you and I are saved today. By grace, Amen. through faith. Ephesians 2.8 says, By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. 
So for, for, so for us in the, as New Testament believers, Paul is writing us there in the book of Ephesians. And he says, for grace you have been saved through faith. Now we see here, here in the book of Genesis that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That he was a just man. And Hebrews tells us that he was a just man because he had faith in God. And his faith in God caused him to, 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 to believe God, to obey God. So he was saved by grace through faith. Just like you and I. You know, and we see that, that God's plan for salvation was always by grace through faith. Since the beginning of the world, by grace through faith. Nothing's changed. So Noah was saved by grace through faith. Later on, we're going to read about Abraham. And, and, and Hebrews tells us about Abraham that he was the, the, the father of, of faith. You know, the, the, the father of faith. And he was saved by faith. Again, the question comes up, well, how was he saved? How was he just before the Lord? How was he righteous before the Lord if, if he lived before the, the Levitical priesthood ever existed? If he never went to go, you know, a sacrifice at the altar every, every so-and-so. And, and he never attended all these feasts because they didn't exist yet. But the Bible tells us that he was made just and that he was justified by faith. And then, so it says, Noah walked with God. Now this speaks of the relationship Noah had with God. And again, it's, it's awesome to read that, that again, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, Noah walked with God. You know, he kept his testimony with the Lord. He walked with the Lord. He served the Lord. And then in verse 5, verse 5 says that, that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. As we read last, last week, it says that, that all they thought about was evil continually. It says that the intensive heart of man's heart was evil in t- continually. But as for Noah, he walked with God. So, so see this, this, this contrast, you know, that the world, all, all they thought about was, was evil, wicked things. But Noah walked with God. Then in verse 13, it says, it says that God spoke to Noah. It says, and God spoke to Noah because Noah was in the position to hear from God. You know, again, he was a just man. You know, he, he feared God. You know, he, he, he had faith in God. So God spoke to him. You know, and, and I don't believe that God wouldn't have spoken to him if Noah was not in the position to hear from God. You know, and, and that tells us something, to, something as well. You know, that, that the Lord is willing to speak to us if we're in the position to hear from Him. I mean, a lot of times the Lord is speaking to us and telling us something, you know, but we're not in the position to hear from Him. And then we're praying like, Lord, I, I can't hear you, Lord. Why, why don't you speak to me? Well, He knows that we're not going to obey Him. But we see that, that, Noah, that Noah heard from God. It says that, Noah spoke to, that God spoke to Noah because Noah was in the position to hear God's voice. And I just think it's so awesome, again, in the midst of this wicked generation, that here's Noah, hearing the voice of God, hearing from God, God speaking to Noah, to his one man. And not only did God speak to Noah, but Noah obeyed the voice of the Lord. Notice what it says there at the end of the chapter, verse 22. It says, thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. So he shows his faith by obedience. You know, he shows his faith by his works. He didn't do in order to, to be justified, you know, but he did because he was justified. He did because he had faith in God, because he believed God, because he feared God, he obeyed God. So he heard from God, he obeyed God. And notice right there in verse 19, as the Lord commissions Noah, pretty much, you know, he tells him, all right, the end of all flesh has come before me. He tells him, all right, I'm, I'm going to bring destruction upon the earth. And then he starts giving him instructions. He says about building the ark. He starts giving him dimensions. He tells him what kind of building materials to use. Gopher wood, which we don't know what gopher, what gopher wood is. It might be that it just, that the meaning got lost in the translation from Hebrew to, to Greek to Latin to English. 
You know, most, most scholars believe that it, it would have been uh, uh, cedar wood because cedar wood is, is, is at the time was and it still is one of the most like toughest wood. It's one of the most long lasting woods, but we don't know. But we see that, that we see that the Lord gave instructions to Noah. He begins giving him all the dimensions. And, and, and then he tells them there in verse 19, he says, And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark. So he says, two of every sort into the ark. Now, the Bible uses, here just in, just in these few verses afterwards, it uses three words to describe the, the, the type of animals that Noah was supposed to bring. There in verse 19, it says, Bring two of every sort into the ark. Then in verse 20, it says, Of the birds after their own kind. And then later on in, in uh, chapter 7, it says the word species. So we have the word sort, the word kind, and the word species. Mm-hmm. Now, all these three words, again, the, the meaning kind of gets lost in the, in the translation to English. You know, but, but what, what the Lord was telling Noah was to bring two of every kind. Remember, remember in, the, in, the, in chapter 1 of Genesis, as the Lord is, is creating heaven and earth, then begin, he began to create the animals. And then he says, after their own kind. Then he created the, all, the land, all the land creatures after their own kind. Then he created all the cattle and all the, all the beasts of the earth after their own kind. So we see this word kind described here. So it's not two of every animal. And not, it's not two of every species, but two of every kind. Because the question comes up, well, how did Noah fit all these animals into the ark, right? And, and, and a lot of skeptics of the Bible begin to pretty much bash, bash Bible-believing Christians for this. And they say, well, how did, how did Noah fit all these animals into the ark? How did Noah fit two of every species into, into the ark? Because there's about 8 million species in the whole world. You know, but, but, but God doesn't use the word species. God uses the word kind. He says, bring, bring two of every kind. Now, there's this geologist... Uh, geologist John uh, Woodmerip suggests that there would have been about 8,000 different kinds of animals at the time of the flood, including all the animals which are now extinct, which we don't know about. So 8,000 different kinds times two, because he was supposed to bring two of every kind. It, that means that he would have brought eight, about, about uh, 16,000 animals into the ark. Now, even that seems kind of far-fetched. You know, but we need to understand what, what this word kind means when he says bring two of every kind. Now, what this word kind means is uh, pretty much, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to describe, but it's pretty much, uh, it talks about the family kind. You know, so bring, bring two, two of, every, of every animal families. It's kind. For example, horses, donkeys, zebras, ponies are probably all from one created kind. You know, they're not different species. You know, it's not different species. It's not different, different you know, genetic uh, uh, mutations, but it's, it's a kind. They all come from one kind. One kind of animal. Again, horses, zebras, donkeys, ponies, all come from the same kind. So around Noah's time, there would have been around 8,000 different kinds. And 8,000 is a, it's, it's a, it's a conservative, conservative number. You know, it could have been anywhere from 8,000 to 10,000. But we see that it's possible. You know, it's possible to, to, to fit that many, that many animals in this ark. So roughly about 16,000 animals on the ark. You know, and the animals would have been babies, you know, not full-grown adults. Again, skeptics of the Bible love to say, well, how... How is a rhino going to fit in the, in the ark, you know, and not make a mess and not ram through the, through the walls? And how is it going to fit a giraffe? And how is it going to fit an elephant? How is it going to fit, you know, dinosaurs? Well, obviously he wasn't going to bring full-grown animals, you know, but, but if, if you brought babies, you know, if you brought, you know, you know puppies, the, the baby versions of these animals, they would have fit perfectly. You know, he would have had room to spare. So the Lord tells him to bring two of every kind of animal. 
You know, and if you, again, if he brings, if he brings babies, then it leaves more room, more room in the ark. So animals would have been babies, not full-grown adults, you know, and keep in mind that we're not including sea creatures, you know, because he doesn't need to bring whales and fish and, and you know, and, 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 and starfish and all these things into the ark because they're, they're going to live in water. So when you eliminate all those mammals, you know, that, that live in the, in the sea, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a big chunk of, of, of kinds that you're eliminating. So keep that in mind. You know, as far as insects and every creeping thing on the earth, I mean, they would have fit perfectly in the ark. You know, they don't, you know, they'll find a corner somewhere. You know, so we see, again, that this is actually one of the chapters in the Bible, the one of the accounts in the Bible that's mostly attacked by, by critics. You know, and even as I was preparing this to, 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 to study, to, as I was preparing to, to, to teach on this chapter, I was telling Liz, like, man, I feel kind of intimidated. You know, I never taught him Genesis 6. I never taught him the flood. You know, but I believe it. It's like, you know, we grow up, we, when we come to the Lord, we believe it. By faith, we believe it. But then you get to a point where, I mean, I've been mocked before at work, you know, when people find out I'm a Christian. In my old job, I used to have a, one of my foremen. He was hardcore atheist. Uh, but really, he was, more, he was more like a demonic than anything because he believed in demons. And, you know, he did all kinds of crazy stuff with demonic, uh, demonic spirits and stuff. But he called himself an atheist, but he always he would always tell me, Oh hey, uh, you pray for me, pray for me, like mocking me, you know? And one thing he would always say is oh, so so you believe uh, that the, the, that God flooded the earth? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, Oh, you believe that, that that Noah put all these animals in the ark? I'm like, yeah. And then he would always bring up all kinds of stuff but it was like almost every time that, that, that he that he would you know make fun of me for my faith, it was always about Noah and the ark, you know, and, and the and the flood and the, and the flood of the worldwide flood. And for some reason, you know, this is one of the the besides creation, this and the crucifixion of Jesus, these are like the most widely attacked um, accounts of the Bible, you know, by skeptics out there. So even I was kind of intimidated, and the Lord just, as I was studying for this, and and I was saying, Lord, this is kind of, it's kind of intimidating. And the Lord said, just teach my word. I'm like, all right, I can do that. <laughs> I don't have to give explanation. You know, just teach my word. I'm like, all right, Lord, I could do that. So again, we see that that. That the Lord told Noah, bring two of every kind, not two of every species, not two of every single animal on the earth, not you know, but not not, not two of every animal, but two of every kind. And then here we see in chapter seven, I'll start reading verses one through nine. It says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female, also seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights, and I will destroy the, from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters were on the earth. So Noah, with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives, went into the ark because of the waters of the flood, of, of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of birds, of everything that creeps on the earth. Two by two, they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God commanded Noah. So here we see that Noah... The Lord addresses Noah and he says, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me. So we see that, that God is addressing Noah as, as a righteous man. So we're introduced to, to Noah first, the just man, 
perfect in, in his generation, and now, jo- and now Noah, the righteous man. So what else do we know about Noah? I mean, just from these few verses, we see that, he's, that he was a just man, that he was perfect in his generation, that he was righteous. But what else? What else do we know about Noah? Well, 2 Peter 2, 2 5 calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. Peter, as, as he's talking about Noah, he, he brings him up and he says, that as in the days of Noah, he says, and Noah, the, the man of God, the preacher of righteousness. So we see that Noah, up until the flood came, preached the word of God. And it's no wonder that the Lord called him righteous, that the Lord called him just. It's no wonder that he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He was a preacher of God's word. He was a, he was a preacher of God. He was a preacher of God's presence. And we see that, 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 that right up until the, until the, until the floodwaters came, what was he doing? He was preaching God. There in the midst of a wicked, perverse generation, he was preaching God. Again, Noah, the, the preacher of righteousness. And we see that, that no, no doubt Noah had taken after his great-grandpa Enoch. You know what I mean? And he had heard the story that, that Enoch walked with God and that he was not, for God took him. And no doubt, you know, he had gleaned from the stories of his dad, Lamech, who knew Adam and heard all the stories about, about Adam walking in the garden with God and the cool of the day and the fall of man and Satan coming in and tempting Eve. You know, again, it, it, Noah's dad would have known, known uh, Adam. As, as, we, as we studied last week, that, that Adam died when Lamech was around 50-something years old. You know, so, so Lamech would have had a lot of time. You know, to, 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 to hear from, from Adam, to glean from Adam, hear all the stories, learn from him, and then pass his, pass his stories on to his son Noah. You know, so Noah was only a generation away from, from Adam, you know, from the stories of Adam. So no, no doubt he had all the stories of, you know, of all his great, great, you know, grandfathers who walked with the Lord ever since Seth, when the Bible says that man began to call upon the name of the Lord. And then now we see Noah, a man who found grace in the eyes of the Lord, a just man, perfect in his generation, righteous before the Lord. And in this we see the importance of raising up godly children. You know, I, I don't think Seth knew, you know, that, 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 that later down in his generation, you know, that this man was going to be raised up and God was going to call him, you know, gracious, just, perfect, righteous, and was going to use him to pretty much repopulate the whole earth. Because you think about it, Noah and his wife were like the next Adam and Eve because they were called to repopulate the whole earth again. You know, but, but in this we see, again, the, the importance of, of raising up godly offspring. And we see that this is God's purpose for marriage. There, there in the book of Malachi, as, as, as the Lord is speaking through Malachi the prophet, you know, and, and he talks about marriage, you know, and, and he says that, that, that this is God's intent for marriage, you know, that, that, that godly offspring will be raised. And we see that, that, that this is a purpose. I mean, we see one purpose, you know, right here, Noah. And we see the importance of, you know, of, of, of grandparents, of fathers, of mothers, of them are pouring their pouring pouring into their kids, you know, pour, pouring into their grandchildren, pouring into nieces and nephews. In my case, you know, pouring into them the word of God, pouring into them, you know, the things about the Lord, pouring into them, you know, uh, uh, showing them how to walk with the Lord. Because you don't know if you're raising up the next Billy Graham or the next, you know, Chuck Smith or the next whoever. So we see that that again, that that no no doubt was gleaning from from his great grandpa Enoch, you know, from his from his dad Lamech. You know, from his grandpa, Methuselah. And now we see that, that here he is, you know, this, 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 godly, this, this, this godly lineage, you know, is passed down. And, and Noah just caught vision of walking with the Lord. And he desires to walk after the Lord as well. And the Lord uses him, you know, and to, to, to pretty much repopulate the whole earth. 
We see the importance of, of raising up godly children and just pouring into the, into the next generation. <laughs> Whether the next generation is in your household or, or, or wherever it may be. And then we see that the Lord gives Noah some specific instructions. He says, there in verse 2, You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female, also seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. So he says, bring two of every kind onto the ark. But then when it comes to these clean animals, he says, bring seven each of every clean animal. And I used to, be just, I used to just read right past this you know, and think nothing of it. And now I was reading and the question came up, well, why do you have to bring up seven of, of these clean animals? So there, later on in, in uh, chapter 8, verse 20, it says that, that when the waters receded on the earth, after, after, you know, the, after the, the, the rain had stopped and after the, after the flood had stopped and, and, and after the, the, most of the water had evaporated and had, and had left, you know, it says that, that the ark landed right there in Mount Ararat. And then Noah got off, uh, got off the ark. And what's the first thing that he does? There in chapter 8, verse 20, it says that when the waters receded on, on the earth, that Noah got off, that he built an altar to the Lord. He worshiped God. And we see that these clean animals were meant to be sacrificed. So, Noah, so God tells Noah ahead of time, hey, bring seven of these clean animals. For what? So that when all this is said and done, you know, you're going to get off the ark and worship me. So the idea, you know, is that, is that God was assuring Noah that he would one day worship and sacrifice God when all this is over. So he was telling Noah, he was telling Noah, hey, I'm going to get you through this. This, this, is, this isn't going to be forever. You know, it's going to come to an end. And, and no doubt Noah needed to know this because as, as we read through, through the account of the flood, we're going to see that, that Noah, that, that it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, but the flood stood on the earth for about a year. It wasn't a, a, so Noah lived in this ark with all these animals and his family for about a year. You think as he's going through this whole year in the ark and just holding on to the promises of God, he would look at these clean animals and know, all right, you know, God promised me. God promised me I'm, I'm going to get through this. God promised me I'm going to worship him. You know, I'm, I have to sacrifice these animals on dry land. So it's like the Lord was assuring him, hey, this storm's going to have an end. There's going to be an end to this. It's not going to be forever. So he was assuring all that he would one day worship him and sacrifice to him. When all this is over. And we see that God has promised you know that he will get him through this storm. And as I was reading this, I was reminded of a different storm. There in uh, the New Testament. There in, uh, there in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verse 35. And, and there, there in the Gospel of Mark, it says, it says that, the, that, that the Lord... Well, let me just go this. I don't want to chop it up. Mark, chapter 4. It says, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Jesus said to the disciples, let us cross over to the other side. It says, now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as, as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he, but Jesus was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? Don't you care that we're going to die? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. 
But he, but he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? So I was reminded, I was reminded of this as I was reading through, through Genesis and reading through, right there through, through, through Noah. You know, and, again, and, God, and it's like God was assuring Noah, Hey, I'm going to get you through this storm. And we see here in the Gospel of Mark that, that as, as, as Jesus was getting on the, on the boat with the disciples, he first said, let us cross over to the other side. He told them, all right, let us cross over to the other side. So if Jesus said it, it's going to happen. So they were, as they were crossing over, you know, this great storm came. So that the water started beating into the waves. And they probably thought, and they thought they were going to die. But they completely forgot that, God, that, that Jesus promised them, that God promised them that they were going to get to the other side. And we see that, that God is promising, no, hey, I'm gonna, I'm, you're going to get to the other side of the storm. You're going you're gonna to worship on dry land once again. So we see again, the Lord is, 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 is assuring Noah you know, that he's going to make it through this storm. Then, so again, for, for a year, Noah will be in the ark. Maybe doubt will creep in. You know I mean? Come on, you know, for a whole year in you know, this ark, you think, man, is this water ever going to go away? Everything else is dead on the earth. You know, even if you wanted to release the animals, you know, there was, there was waters all, all around them. We don't know if the Lord was speaking to him through this whole time. We don't know what was going on in his mind. But no doubt, maybe even doubt wanted to creep in. Fear wanted to creep in. And when those things would creep in, he would, again, be able to look at these animals, at these seven unclean animals. I mean, seven clean animals, and know, all right, I'm going to worship God on dry land. I'm going to worship God once again. And it's awesome to, to, to know that, that, that the Lord does that through our storms as well. You know, it's like, it's like he gives us promises to hold on to, to assure us that the storm will come to pass. And, he will, and that he will be with us through it all. You know, like I think about my storms in life and, and I'm, you know, when you're going through something and you feel like, man, the waves are just beating into, into your boat. And you're thinking, man, Lord, am I ever going to make it through this? Lord, am I going to survive this one? Lord, you've been with me through the past and, and my, my past storms, Lord, and my past trials, Lord. But this one doesn't, doesn't seem like I'm going to make it out of this one, Lord. Seems like this is going to be the one that's going to cause me to just walk away and just beat me up. And the Lord gives us these promises, you know, through the scripture, through other people. You know, he gives us these, these promises, assuring us that, that, hey, I'll see you on, this, on the other side. And not only that, but hey, I'll be with you through it all. I'm there with you. And so this was the promise that, that the Lord was giving Noah by, by telling him, hey, take, take seven of each, seven each of every clean animal. Why? So you can worship God. Then verse 9. Verse 9 says, Two by two they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God commanded Noah. So the question arises, how did Noah get all the animals into the, into the ark? You know, because another one of the questions that the skeptics ask, well, how did he get those animals? All right, even, even if those animals, you know, even, even if, they, if they did get into the ark, how did he get him into the into the ark? Did he have to go and drag him in there? And you know, and I've seen I've seen children's movies, you know, where it shows Noah, you know, dragging the, the, the animals into the boat, you know, and the sheep is right there, you know, and, and uh, he's resisting, you know, and, and 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 people ask, well, how did he get two of every kind on, onto the boat without them fighting with all this? Well, it tells us right there, it says that God brought the animals to Noah. He didn't have to go out there and beat the sheep and, and get to, to get him to go into the ark, into the ark. He didn't have to go find these animals. It says that the, that the Lord brought the animals to him and the Lord caused the animals to go into the ark. Amen. So we see that, that God caused them to enter. Noah didn't have to do, chase them down and force them. 
You know, and this and this brings up a, just a, a good a good a good point. You know, in ministry and our walks with the Lord, that when it's of God, there's no striving. You know, when it's of God, the Lord just 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 makes it happen. You know, when it's of God, it's like you're not out there trying to force things to happen. God just makes it happen. You know, we, we, we pray about things, and, and in our prayer, I'm just like, Lord, if it's your will. You know, we know that, 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 yeah, we step out in faith, but if it's God's will, then it happens without striving. I mean, we're praying for a church, and it's like this kind of just fell on our laps, and we're like, oh, it must be the Lord, man. This, we're not even striving. It's like the Lord is just bringing it to us. Amen. We see that the Lord brought these animals to Noah. You know, he didn't have to go over there and force them to come in. So when it's of God, there's no striving. So we don't see Noah striving. He just, man. You're just watching the Lord bring it all to him. Then verse 10, it says, And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. And the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On the very same day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them, entered the ark, they and every beast after its kind, all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind. So we see all the creeps over there. And every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. And they went into the ark to Noah, two by two of all flesh, in which is the breath of life. So those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. Now the flood was on the earth forty days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth. And the ark moved about on the surface of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth. And all the high hills under the whole heaven were, were covered. The waters prevailed 15 cubits upward, and the mountains were covered upward, and the, and the mountains were covered, and all flesh died.